Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. 1,141, and the reading is from Romans chapter 15 and beginning to read at verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I have written to you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem, all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written... Those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor amongst the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So, after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you with joy 
and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Remain standing, I'll pray for us. Father, we've just been singing of how wonderful you are, that we're going to trust you, that you are the way, the truth and the life. And we ask that these great truths that we've been singing from our hearts would shape our priorities and change the way we live. Show us how that can be the case, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do sit down. Uh, well, I know there's one or two people who've not been uh, here before or not for a long time. Uh, we've been working through the book of Romans. Uh, you'll have told, been able to see by the reading. We're almost at the end this week and next week. Uh, we'll be finishing uh, at least uh, this uh, little time looking through Romans. You might like to turn in your uh, Bible to the book of Romans and particularly to page 1141, 1142 that uh, Paul read for us earlier. You might also find it useful to dig out the, uh, the sermon outline, the talk outline, uh, that will uh, guide us through the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, years, I, years ago, years ago now, I was told that an apology, for an, for an apology to be an apology, it has to come with an explanation. Because the word apology comes from the Greek apologia, which means a reasoned argument. So if I say to you, I'm sorry I'm late... That's not an apology. But if I say, I'm sorry I'm late, but I was detained because my waterbed exploded, and as the water cascaded down the stairs, it swept the cat off its feet and slammed it into the door, so I had to get the cat to the vet, and then when we got there, the cat got out of the basket and attacked a budgie, and now the budgie's only is suing me for death. Well, then that's an apology. It's a reasoned argument for being late, and a good reason for not owning a waterbed. If I say, I'm sorry, this sermon is going to be really long, that's not an apology. That's just a thoroughly depressing thing to hear. <laughs> but if I say, I'm sorry, this sermon is going to be really long because I'm a windbag who likes the sound of his own voice, now that's an apology. It's a reasoned argument. It's still thoroughly depressing to hear, but it is an apology. Anyway, the point of all this is this. A genuine apology is a reasoned argument. It's an explanation of why things are as they are. And it's a genuine apology that we encounter here in Romans chapter 15. The Apostle Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, has said to the church in Rome that he longs, he wants to visit them. Look, come back with me to uh, Romans chapter 1 just to see this. We saw it weeks and weeks and weeks ago uh, when we started uh, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, and uh, these uh, references are on the handout uh, if you want uh, to chase them up later. Page 1128. Look at chapter 1, verse 11. Paul, writing to the Romans, says, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. Chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, he says, um, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so. And chapter 1, verse 15, he says, I'm so eager to preach the gospel in Rome. So you see, Paul says again and again that he wants to visit the church in Rome, but he's never actually made it. Now, look, if someone kept saying to you, I want to see you, I want to visit you, I'm really keen, I'm eager to spend time with you. If someone kept saying that to you, but they never actually came to visit you, you'd begin to question the sincerity of, your, of their words, wouldn't you? And the next time they said to you, I plan to visit you, to see you, and they didn't turn up, you'd want a pretty good explanation. You'd want a real apology, not just a sorry but 
a reasoned argument for the no-show. Now that's what we have here in the second half of Romans chapter 15. Paul is giving the church in Rome the reason why he hasn't yet visited them, even though he longs to see them, even though he's planned to see them, even though he's eager to be with them. Here we discover why he hasn't yet turned up on their doorstep. And as we read through this section, we'll see it's a pretty convincing apology, at least I'm convinced by it. So we come to the first point on the handout here, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, verses 14 to 22. Uh, Look at, we're now back in Romans 15. So uh, look at the second half of verse 19 in Romans 15. Romans 15, second half of verse 19. He says, from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. Uh, Just four words, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, Just four words are Paul's succinct and I might suggest modest summary of 10 years of strenuous hard work. In those four words, he's describing at least three momentous missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. If you want to trace out his journeys on a map, we see that Paul travelled extensively, circling the East Mediterranean. Uh, From Jerusalem, he went north to Syrian Antioch, then further north and west through the provinces of Asia Minor and across the Aegean Sea to Macedonia, then south to Achaia, then east across the Aegean Sea again, and then via Ephesus back to Antioch and Jerusalem. And on those three journeys, he was shipwrecked and imprisoned and stoned and beaten to within an inch of his life. He went without food and sleep and drink. He was cold and lonely, and you can read all about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 if you want to chase it up. The point is this, Paul hasn't been sitting at home with his feet up watching the telly, simply not bothered to make the trip to Rome. No, he travelled from Jerusalem to Illyricum at considerable personal cost, doing the one task, end of verse 19, of proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And then he writes in verse 22, this is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. Now that's an apology from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Secondly, going to Spain. Paul writes in verse 23, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions, that's Jerusalem to Illyricum, and since I've been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Paul says, I finished all the work in the region from Jerusalem to Illyricum, and now I'm off to Spain and I'm going to stop in, on, into Rome on the way. So finally, he's about to make it to Rome. And as they read this, I imagine the leaders of the church in Rome sorting out the guest room and drawing up an itinerary for his visit. Until they read on, verse 25, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Oh, come on, Paul, what's your excuse now? And so to our third heading, on the way to Jerusalem. See, verse 25, before he goes to Spain, Paul's off to Jerusalem. Not because he fancies a weekend break seeing the sights of that great city, even though it was fantastic. No, verse 25, he's going to serve the saints, uh, the Christians there in Jerusalem, because the word saints in the Bible is just another word for Christian believers. Paul's going to serve the Christians in Jerusalem by, as we can see from verse 26, taking money that he collected from the churches in Macedonia and Achaia for the poor in Jerusalem. And so finally, Paul writes, verse 28, so after I've completed this task, that is the task of taking this money to Jerusalem, after I've completed this task and have made sure that they've received this fruit, that is this money, I'll go to Spain and visit you on the way. 
Now here then in this section, Paul explains why he hasn't visited the Christians in Rome yet. This is his apology, a reasoned argument for not yet having turned up at Rome. And here's the thing for us this evening. As we look at why Paul didn't get to Rome, we see Paul's priorities. And we, as we see his priorities, we begin to see what should be our priorities, what should drive our plans, how we should fill our diaries. This section should inform us where we should spend our time and our money, whether we're planning a gap year or thinking about our career or considering who to marry or whether we should move house or thinking through how to spend our retirement. As we look at why Paul went where he went, we'll see how we should shape our lives too. In a sentence, here we are given a Christian apologia, a reasoned argument for how we should prioritise the way we live the whole of our lives. So let's go back. From Jerusalem to Illyricum, proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles, verses 14 to 22. Now what dominates this first section is that Paul has proclaimed the gospel, spoken about Jesus, Preach the good news of the Lord Jesus. That's what he keeps saying. In verse 16, he speaks of the duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. In the second half of verse 19, he tells us that he has fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And in verse 20, do you see what he writes there? It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And we've already seen it. That's why Paul hadn't made it to Rome, because he'd been preaching the gospel of Christ to those who don't know it in that big area, Jerusalem to Illyricum. Look how he describes his ministry in verse 16. It's quite strange. Uh, Just uh, flip back to the beginning of verse 16, just right at the bottom of page 1141. He talks about the grace God gave him. Verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, the last part of the verse there is full of language from the the Jewish temple. You see the words, a priest, offering, sanctified. That's all temple language. You see, during Paul's time, if we'd gone into the temple in Jerusalem, the priest would have stood before us. He was an intermediary between us and God. He offered sacrifices on our behalf to make us acceptable and sanctified before God. Now look, all this temple language in the Bible always points to Jesus first. As I put on the handout here, Jesus is the great high priest. He stands between us and God. He offers himself as a sacrifice to take away our sin and to sanctify us, to make us acceptable to God. Jesus is our great high priest. That's why we don't call people in my job a priest. I don't stand between you and God. I don't offer any sacrifices anymore. That is not an altar, it's a table. You don't have to come to me for access to God. All Christians have access to God through Jesus Christ. So as Christians, that's the primary way we think about the temple and priests and sacrifices. But here in verse 16, Paul is saying that he has a priestly duty to the Gentiles. And so there is this secondary way of thinking about this temple language. And in this secondary sense, as I put here on the bottom of page one, all Christians have a priestly task. Not just, as it were, you know, specially paid people. We've all got this task. As Christians, we do in a sense 
stand between God and those who don't yet know God. In this sense, as we tell people the gospel of God, in that sense, we have a priestly task. We stand between God and unbelievers as we tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they accept that message and come to Christ, so then, end of verse 16, they become an acceptable offering to God and they are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now, that priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel is what shaped Paul's priorities. That's why he went on such an extensive missionary journey, three of them. Halfway through verse 19, so... From Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I proclaim the gospel of Christ. And as we've already seen, verse 22, this is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. Now, granted, Paul was an apostle and he was given a unique role of being the apostle to the Gentiles. Yet still we see here that Paul's priority of gospel proclamation shaped the way he lived. And that was why he didn't visit the Christians in Rome. Now, again, this is not to suggest that Paul didn't think that a trip to the church in Rome to teach them wasn't important. Remember, he wanted to go. He planned it. He thought it was important enough to go. But it wasn't crucial for him to go because the church in Rome was established. There were leaders there who were teaching the Christians. And if you look back again over the page to verse 14, you'll see how Paul describes the church in Rome. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. You see, they were mature Christians and crucially, they were competent to teach one another. And so Paul knew that while it would have been good for him to go, they didn't need him to go there. It was more important for him to proclaim the gospel to those who didn't know than for him to go to Rome. And we should think the same way for the whole of our lives. Look, we can't have read the book of Romans and not seen how important it is that we take the gospel to those who don't know it. In the book of Romans, we've seen how men and women and boys and girls have rejected God and how all of us, every single one of us, doesn't matter how respectable we look on the outside, every single one of us, because we've rejected God, face God's judgment. But we've also heard the wonderful good news of how Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross is the only way we can be justified, put right with God. It is the only way, but there is a way. So we can't have read Romans and not be left feeling the urgency and priority of proclaiming the gospel to those who don't know it. So this term, as we head towards our Passion for Life Mission Week, Please, in your, in your small groups, make it a priority to be planning an event that your friends will come to. Make the, the mission week itself from the 15th to the 23rd of March a priority in your diary now. Well, not now. You can carry on listening to me now, but soon. Keep those dates free. Don't plan to go away, go away that weekend. Be committed to inviting your friends to hear about Jesus. And way beyond this term, see the proclamation of the gospel as a priority that shapes all the decisions of your life. From Jerusalem to Illyricum, proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. Secondly, and we're over the page now, which is always encouraging when you've got an outline, you know you're getting there. Secondly, off to Spain, planting gospel churches, verses 23 and 24. See, Paul tells us that Spain is on the agenda now because, verse 23... There's nowhere else for him to preach the gospel in Asia Minor. 
Now, of course, when we read that, Paul isn't claiming to have visited every single town and village in that huge area from Jerusalem to Illyricum. And that would be ridiculous. He's not saying that. No, his strategy was to plant churches in all the major cities so that from those centres, all people would have access to the gospel. Now, that's the task he's finished. He's planted, the, planted churches all over the place. And now there's fighting chance that people in all those areas can hear the gospel. But what about Spain? See, now that he's done that, now that everybody in the Jerusalem to Illyricum area have, heard, uh, have got chance of hearing the gospel, he's got to go to Spain, plant churches there. Let me illustrate it for us. Christ Church Forward is, is an established church. We, we haven't yet reached every home in Forward, but from here... We're going to keep working hard to reach everyone in the area. But there are some places that we will never reach from here. Some parts of Sheffield and other towns and villages will never influence from here. So we need to go and plant churches in those areas. That's why it's part of our vision statement, to plant churches. That's why we planted three churches in the last five years. That's why we've set ourselves the task of planting a church every two years for the next 20 years. We want to plant churches in areas where there's no faithful gospel witness so that everyone is within a striking distance of the gospel. Now, Paul went to great lengths to do that. Paul travelled to Spain, miles away. I mean, hundreds of miles away. And as we've seen before in our studies in Romans, verse 24, Paul was going to pop into Rome on the way to Spain so that the church in Rome would, do you see it, verse 4, assist Paul on his journey to Spain. Now that word assist is a technical word for missionary support, for helping missionaries on their way. I put a couple of references you can chase up later if you want to see that. So Paul is saying here that when he goes to Rome, he was going to ask the Christians in Rome to give him provisions and money and for people to go with him to help him in his church planting endeavour to Spain. He's going to pop into Rome. He's going to say, I'm going to Spain. I'd like you to give me some money to help me do that. And some of you I'd like to come to come and plant churches with me. Now, yes, he's going to stop in on Rome because he wants to be with them and build them up in their faith. But he unashamedly is going to Rome to get support for his church planting programme. And so do you see this should be a priority for us too. As we seek to plant churches in areas where the gospel is not known, as a church family, we should make it a priority to spend our money and send people on those plants. To that end, let me encourage you to come along to our mission evening again on Monday the 3rd of February to hear about the work of those who've taken the gospel to other places and overseas. Come along so that you can support them by your prayers, with your money and maybe by going yourself. Think about signing up for the Mission Explored course that begins on Saturday the 15th of February. Everything's in the bulletin if you need to know more. And think about going on our next church plant. I don't know where it's going to be yet, but think about going. Giving money to support that work. Make this work a priority above other things as Paul did. So from Jerusalem to Illyricum, proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. Secondly, off to Spain, planting gospel churches and thirdly, on the way to Jerusalem, promoting gospel unity. As we've already seen from verse 26, Paul had collected money from the Christians in Macedonia and Achaia to be given to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. 
And now he was going to take that money to Jerusalem. Now look, that would have been no small thing. Paul was writing this letter from Corinth and Corinth was 800 miles from Jerusalem. That was a huge journey, especially in those days. So why did Paul not just send the money with someone else as he did at other times in the New Testament? You can see him sending people off with with messages and with things and with money. Why didn't he just say, look, I've collected the money. You you go and take the money, Jerusalem, because I've got to go and proclaim the gospel. I've got to go to Spain. I think it's because it was far more than just about giving some money to the poor, important as that was. Look at verse 27. The Christians in Macedonia and Achaia gave their money willingly. They didn't have to have their arms twisted. And they did it because, verse 27, they felt they owed it to the Christians in Jerusalem. What does that mean? Look, verse 27, 4, verse 27. If the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Now, if you haven't got a clue what's going on, I reckon that's a reference back to chapter 11 and the issue of the relationship between the gospel and the nation of Israel. In that sense, the Gentile Christians owed what they had in the gospel to those from Judaism. So what better way to demonstrate their gratitude than to give to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem? This wasn't just that they were giving money, but that they were giving to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Again, if it were just a matter of giving to the poor, then having collected the money, Paul could have sent the money with someone else. But because Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, and because there were tensions between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, Paul thought it important enough to make the 800-mile journey to Jerusalem to take the money himself to unite Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Why have I told you all that? Because if that's right, and I think that's the reading of the text, then this shows that Paul delayed going to Rome to foster unity and harmony in the church. It was that important. And so church unity must be a priority for us. Now, it's exactly what we saw last week in chapters 14 and 15. We should go to great lengths, great personal lengths. We should make considerable personal cost to maintain unity and harmony in the church. That's what we're seeing here. So what do we see here in the second half of chapter 15? Paul travelled 800 miles to take money to Jerusalem. He was then going to travel 1,500 miles to go from Jerusalem to Rome. He was then going to travel 700 further miles to get from Rome to Spain. Not to mention the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles that he spent on his first three missionary journeys travelling from Jerusalem to Illyricum. And all this in a day when there was no hopping on planes and great danger on every single journey. Those were the lengths Paul went to because of his priorities, his gospel priorities. The priority of proclaiming the gospel to those who don't know. The priority of planting gospel churches and the priority of promoting gospel unity. And this tells us that we should have the same priorities. And go to the same lengths, ready to make considerable personal sacrifice for these gospel reasons. And here we have a Christian apologia, 
a reasoned argument for how we should prioritise the way we live the whole of the rest of our lives. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you very much for the Apostle Paul. And we thank you so much for the way the gospel Uh, was the driving force behind everything that he did. We thank you for the uh, extraordinary lengths he went to to make sure that everybody that he could influence, he did influence with the gospel. And we pray that we would learn from him. We pray that we'd be like him. We pray that you'd so grab our hearts that we'd say, we'll go anywhere for you, Lord, anywhere. Uh, That we'll, we'll put down all the luxuries that we have for the sake of the gospel, knowing that it's that important. Father, we, uh, we, we recognise how, how small we are in compared to Paul, who was a giant of a Christian. But why should it not be that we would be like that? And so we ask for you to work in us by the power of your spirit, that we may increasingly urge one another on to be those who have these sorts of priorities so that more men and women and boys and girls come to know the Lord Jesus and so that your name is glorified in the world. And we ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.